Hello and welcome to Frankly Speaking, where we dive deep into regional headlines and speak with leading policymakers and business leaders. I am Katie Jensen. Since the Taliban returned to power two years ago in Afghanistan, it has suppressed free speech, reintroduced repressive laws against activists, women and children, and watched its economy crumble, with millions living in desperate poverty. On this episode of Frankly Speaking, we hear from Taliban leader Sahail Shaheen. We ask him how the Taliban government really functions, if women and girls will ever be allowed to attend school, and how they've dealt with challenges to their authority from neighboring countries. Mr. Shaheen, thank you for joining us on Frankly Speaking. Now, we have a lot to cover, so let me start with this. It's been two years since your government, the Taliban, came back into power. However, with 97% of your country on the poverty line, your worst famine in a quarter of a century, the repression of women and girls growing at terror threats and falling international donor funding. Frankly speaking, how can Afghanistan ever flourish under the rule of the Taliban? Yes, uh, uh, first of all, I would like to say the poverty that we have today, we have inherited from the past, from the past regime of uh, 20 years where the foreign forces had uh, presence in Afghanistan, had occupied our country. And they are claiming that they have uh, spent a billion of uh, dollars, but those dollars went to the, the private pockets of some warlords. Uh, the uh, common people, they were living under the line of poverty that we have inherited. Secondly, as we took over uh, in power in Kabul, uh, they imposed a sanction that deteriorated the poverty. So the responsibility is more uh, with those who uh, imposed the sanction and who uh, pay, uh, favored only the warlords uh, who were uh, their allies in the government. They were not working for the common people. So we have this poverty, unfortunately. But we, we are uh, working uh, uh, to tackle this issue. And we have uh, some uh, big projects like Koshtepe project, uh, road construction, according to our uh, internal uh, revenue. So well, you say we you, you, you I'm, I'm sorry, I'm going to interrupt you here because you're saying that you're inheriting power from the previous uh, uh, regime. That, that simply isn't true. You overthrew uh, the legitimate government. No, no, of poverty. I mean, we inherited poverty, poverty from uh, the past. Of course, we took over, but uh, we inherited poverty. Okay, but let's talk about the current scenario today, because as it sounds, the United Nations does not recognise the Taliban as a legitimate government, nor do even any Muslim countries want any ties with you. There's no signs this is going to change. Now, clearly the Taliban is not going to step down, but can you at least consider a government that is inclusive of all Afghani uh, ethnicities and factions? The UN and other countries do not recognize us. It is more uh, politically motivated rather than based on uh, the ground realities in Afghanistan. 
we have all the borders, we have uh, control all over the country, we are able to defend our people and country, we have the support of the people that is was uh, proved in the past 20 years. You have that, the support, you, you're that, saying you have the support of the people that, today. You're that, saying that yeah, the United Nations yeah. don't recognize you due to your politics. Well, let's let's talk about some of that, because even politics aside, there is a very clear reason why governments around the world do not want ties with you. If we look at politics aside, a lot of attention has been given to your new repressive rules against women and girls. You currently ban girls over the age of 12 from attending schools or universities. You you now ban most women from attending workplaces. They can no longer even work at NGOs. Indeed, you ban women from most public places. Why on earth would you treat women this way? Uh, first of all, uh, the sanctions were imposed. We were not recognized when the universities were open, when the secondary schools were open, when the women were uh, working. Even now, uh, about 150,000 women and doctor nurses are working with the Ministry of Public Health. No one mentioned that. And also in some ministries, the Ministry of Education, uh, and, uh, tens of thousands of female teachers are working. But this uh, sanction were imposed at the beginning on us and still uh, continuing. That is why we say it was, they are more politically motivated so they, they, they have this pretext now, but at the beginning, that was not the case. Still, they imposed the sanction uh, on us. But from the beginning, they were working and uh, uh, following a policy of uh, marginalizing uh, the government uh, rather than uh, you know, to continue to uh, engagement uh, to, with the government in order to resolve the, the issue that uh, we are uh, facing, we are, are both are, uh, have the issues uh, to be resolved uh, through engagement, but uh, they didn't uh, follow that. Uh, instead, they focused on marginalizing the government. So you say the sanctions were already in place when you were attending, when you were allowing women and girls to attend secondary education yes, at the beginning. and university. Yes, yes, the, Why yes, are yes. you treating women this way today, though? Why do you currently not allow them to attend secondary school or university? First, in Afghanistan, still there are secondary schools where modern education and religious education are. Yes, but I'm not talking about religious. Yeah, I'm not yeah. talking about religious education. I'm talking about the everyday girl in Afghanistan who wants to be able to attend school as she did before, before you uh, regained power. I'm talking about the everyday woman who wants to study to be able to come become a doctor or a scientist that would further your nation. Why why are they not allowed to attend education today? About uh, uh, schools, medical schools, they are open. Nursing school, they are open. Institutes are open. Some of the uh, facts, ground realities are not uh, mentioned in the media. They are open. Even the doctors were not allowed in the past government uh, to have specialization in all fields. Uh, only they were allowed to have specialization. Okay, so are you saying now if these are schools are open, you're saying the media have, has it wrong. You're yeah, saying have, that all schools, yeah. that all schools and all university education uh, societies are open, that women and girls can attend education as they did five years ago. 
yes of course they are the the, the doctors are allowed to have a, a specialization in other fields cardiology and other fields that they have and they are very happy with that and about education we, no one from our side has said that we deny girls access to education but only said we were working to provide a proper environment islamic environment uh, and uh, that they can keep uh, their education. And the co committee is working on that. So no one has denied, but it is uh, shown. No one has denied. Uh, I think the entire that, world uh, has are, denied are, because I think to most of us, uh, I know you've previously uh, spoken about uh, this. You've previously said it's an internal. We have not said. So y you say the media has it wrong. You say girls are attending school and university as normal. I, I simply disagree with that. I think most of the international community would disagree with that as well. It seems to me that the Taliban have been using religion as a justification to not educate your women, to not allow them to take a proactive place in the workplace and the economy. And uh, the real fact is, is that every single Muslim country around the world treats its women and girls better than you do in the Gulf and this part of the world. We have plenty of women in ministries, as ambassadors, as well. Even in countries like Iran, where women are protesting, they are still allowed to attend school. They are still allowed to work. We've seen Muslim scholars and clerics around the world slam you for this decision. Are you saying that all of them are wrong? I, I didn't say that all universities are open. I uh, only said that medical institutes, they are open and the uh, female students are receiving education in the medical field. I said, I, I want to make this clear. So, and uh, uh, secondly, uh, our committee is uh, set up and it is working uh, to provide a conducive environment, Islamic environment, that uh, all the girls uh, and female students receive the education. They are working on that. We have not uh, denied uh, uh, women's access uh, to education. But well, you we have denied women's access to education. To, to our uh, rules and values, and, and they are working on that. You have denied women's access to education and girls as well, because currently, as it stands, they are not attending school and university as they did before you returned to power. And I actually wanted to ask you personally, because you personally have done quite a big U-turn on the matter. I saw an interview you did with the BBC on the 5th of August in 2021, and you told the BBC, you spoke about women and girls, and you said, and I'm quoting you here, they should not be scared. They honour their priorities, their right to education, work. We have a commitment for that, so they should not be worried. And their work and their access to education will be in a better position than they were in the past. Why did that change? No, not change. I believe women should have access to education and an Islamic environment, according to our words, they should have. Uh, I, and I maintain that position. Uh, that uh, they they have access uh, to education. Of course, uh, our is an Islamic uh, society and uh, a proper uh, environment. That is uh, uh, their right uh, to have access to education. That was my position at that time, and it is uh, right now. But they don't have access to education. You talk about in an Islamic context, as I mentioned before, every other Muslim country around the world has its girls 
at school, has its girls in university, girls in the workplace as well. Every single Muslim country, how have they been able to foster a sense of inclusion in as an Islamic setting and allow their women to take their rightful place in society when Afghanistan has not? So first of all, there is no question about uh, uh, denying uh, girls access to, to school or not. That's not the question. We do not deny it. But only there is a proper environmental setting, uh, an Islamic setting. So on that we are working. We do not have uh, so much uh, the logistics, the means, uh, because there are sanctions and asked. So the question is that, that, but they are portraying that we are denying. So these two, two different things. And unfortunately, for political reasons and certain reasons, the ground realities in Afghanistan are not portrayed in a media in a, uh, in a right uh, way. So that's a, a, another issue. Okay, well, you and I are going to disagree on that, but let's move on. I, I want to ask about your ties with your neighbours. In particular, what is the nature of your government's relationship with the Pakistani security authorities? How much support do you receive and what say do they have over your policies, including those on women? Well, first of all, uh, Afghanistan is an independent country. We liberated our country. We fought for 20 years against 54 countries. And uh, the, the nature of the Afghan people is they are freedom loving. And this we have uh, proved in the past uh, decades, not once, but uh, uh, twice. Uh, secondly, we are peaceful people. We want peaceful coexistence, not only with the neighbors, with all the world. Thirdly, we are committed not to you allow anyone to use the soil of Afghanistan against neighboring country and uh, other countries, including the uh, United States. Fourthly, Afghanistan is a bridge uh, between Central Asia and Southeast Asia. We are working that uh, uh, the trade through Afghanistan to Central Asia and other countries become a reality in Afghanistan become a commercial hub. It will uh, contribute to prosperity uh, of uh, our, the people of Afghanistan that uh, we directly need and uh, the people of the uh, region. Okay, so how much support do you receive from Pakistan then? What is the nature of the relationship with Pakistan's security forces today? We do not have uh, any relation with the security forces. We have relation with countries and our policy is a peaceful uh, coexistence in positive relation with neighbors in other countries. Now, this is our policy and position. Now it is up to them, you ask them, uh, what is uh, their uh, policy? If they want the same, it's a good thing, I think, good for the region, for the neighboring countries, for Afghanistan, for all of us. Okay, well, you say you want a peaceful coexistence with your neighbours, but Pakistan says you're not serious about stopping the TTP from using Afghan soil to attack Pakistan. How do you respond to that? Is that a fair description? The, the, the TTP is not in Afghanistan. As we said, we have commitment for that, not allowing anyone to use the soil of Afghanistan. They, they are inside Pakistan in the tri tribal areas. So inside Pakistan, that is their responsibility, not ours. So do you accept the Durand Line as an international border between you and Pakistan? No, it is not called border. It is called the uh, Durand Line. So that's enough to say what is its uh, status. 
Okay, so do you accept it, though, as the official border? I accept you're saying it's called the Durand Line, but do you accept it as the official border separating Afghanistan? No, it is only, uh, it is only a Durand Line. Okay, so you say it's very much a line, it's not a border. Your defence minister has echoed recent sentiments recently. He told Tolo News in Kabul that he said the Taliban's not raising the issue of the border with Pakistan. It's frankly, the people of Afghanistan are facing other problems. So let's talk about some of those issues, in particular with another neighbour of yours, Iran. Now, in May this year, we saw tensions lead to a shooting at the border. A number of border officers were killed. Now, there have been conflicts accounts from both sides. What exactly happened? We have an agreement, water agreement with Iran, signed 51 years ago. And according to that, Iran would receive about 26 cubic meters of water per second. And uh, But uh, the Iranian side were receiving more than that because there was a uh, war situation in Afghanistan. I, I think it is a technical issue. It can be resolved uh, through technical uh, team and based on uh, the uh, agreement. Uh, so, and also there is a climate change. The water level is not so much, which was 50, uh, 51 years ago. Now, not only in Afghanistan and all the world, the situation has changed. The water has been reduced. So based on the agreement and uh, the climate change, they, they can receive their water. And uh, I did a negotiation, I think, a delegation, uh, Iranian delegation is uh, talking with our side in, to resolve this issue on the basis of the agreement. But you're saying this is a technical issue, but it's one that has caused a fire exchange. There are soldiers that have been killed on both sides. We are saying that we have the agreement and based on that, uh, we should uh, solve this, this issue. But uh, if anyone is forcing anyone, so we have the history, we, we have right to defend our people, our right. So that's our right. We are, we are defending, we are not uh, uh, violating anyone's right. But people have been killed, and, and you mentioned you have the agreement, there was obviously the 1973 treaty, but that's never been properly ratified or implemented. I know in February 2021, uh, you both signed uh, another agreement, and it's certainly correct, drought uh, and uh, climate change has certainly had an effect on this as well. But people have had their lives lost. Are you still restricting the flow of water, as Iran claims? First of all, they were receiving more than they were uh, allowed uh, to, to receive because of the war situation, as I said earlier. Secondly, in someone attacked our forces, our forces have to defend them, uh, to defend themselves. So that that is what happened. That was our right. And no agreement, no one can impose agreements on us based on the use of force. Okay, but Iran says the Taliban forces were the first to fire. You dispute that. You say it was Iranian uh, forces yes. who first opened gunfire. Is that correct? But, but uh, you know, that was an uh, issue resolved. Always, if something happens at the border, we resolve the seniors from the Iranian side and our side come together to resolve the issue through uh, talks. And uh, that uh, happened. Okay, but who fired first? 
yeah, we don't fire firepass. We defend ourselves. Ourselves. We have said that, and that is what is true. But again, as per the Iranian media, your interior ministry spokesman, Mr. Abdul Nafi Takor, he said in a statement that the situation is now under control. Now, this is a sentiment you've echoed here today. Now, he says the Taliban does not want to fight with its neighbours. But many Iranians see this as a sign that you have surrendered. In fact, Iran's foreign minister said recently the Taliban was part of the reality of the country, but not all of the nation. Frankly speaking, is your government, with all of your internal conflicts, really capable of standing up to Iran? We, we defend our rights. We do not violate uh, anyone's rights or uh, do not uh, attack others. We want to have a peaceful uh, living, uh, a peaceful coexistence with all our neighbors. Instead of uh, fighting uh, to focus on reconstruction of Afghanistan, to have a good cooperation with our neighbors. And if there is any issue, we want to solve them through talks, through peaceful means. That is good for us and for them, for the people of Afghanistan, for the people of the regional and neighboring countries. But do you have the means to stand up to Iran? I'm not asking if you can defend. I'm asking if you can go to war as needed. Do you have the army? As I said, if one uh, someone attacks us, we have right to defend. Secondly, the 20 years is a good evidence and proof for all the world how we defend our country. It is not once for the for last 40 years. Everyone knows about that. I don't want to uh, give more detail about that. That's enough. Okay, well, let's move on to the topic of terrorism. Now, under the Doha Agreement, you have committed to not allowing your country to be used as a base for terror networks. This is including Al-Qaeda. How serious is this commitment or is it just lip service to the West? You know, it's a commitment and we are abiding by that. Uh, so, and uh, everyone knows that we, we are not allowing, it is our policy, official uh, policy. So, uh, it is not uh, a lip service, but uh, a fact. Well, a UN report last year said that Al-Qaeda is likely using Afghanistan as a friendly environment to recruit, train and fundraise. We know that Ayman al-Zawahiri, he was living in Kabul last year when he was killed. How do you respond to that? Yes, if they say there is a training center, uh, can they show us where it is located? If someone is sitting 10,000 uh, kilometers away, behind the behind the desk and writing reports based on media how that can reflect the ground realities in afghanistan the, these reports are not based on the realities in afghanistan and they are just politically motivated reports and they are accusing us it is not the first time in the past you see they were doing the same and the aim is to marginalize the government, to oppose the government for political reasons, so not on the basis of the ground realities. So if they have, they can prove. They should, should send a delegation to Afghanistan. We will come there to prove that. Otherwise, I think it is not good for the credibility of 
uh, an august and majestic body like uh, you in uh, to re uh, to prepare reports and write reports which are not based on the realities but are based so you say the United Nations is wrong. Well, I know the Taliban has welcomed President Biden's recent statement about your cooperation with the US on fighting terror. But I am curious to know, what would be your message to your fighters who fought against the US with help from Al-Qaeda in the past? Had he been alive, would Mullah Omar, your late co-founder, spiritual leader and one of America's most wanted men, would he cooperate with the U.S. against Al-Qaeda? What would he say? We are not cooperating with the U.S. It is wrong. Who says? We have uh, this Doha agreement and based up that agreement, the American uh, uh, agreed to withdraw their forces from Afghanistan and we agreed not to allow anyone to use the soil of Afghanistan against the United States. That is our com commitment. And that co commitment is independent. We are operating independently, not with any government, uh, whether neighboring, whether regional or world governments, including USA. So you say you are not cooperating with the West, but you are in power because of America. In fact, President Biden praised you in recent days. So what would your fighters say? I, I don't know about his statement, but he, uh, he may have said that uh, they are committed by their, um, by their commitment uh, in the uh, Doha agreement that they will not allow. Uh, anyone to use the soil of Afghanistan. Yes, we are committed to that and we are doing that independently without any cooperation from any side. Okay, well, President Biden was recently commenting on the report that had come out about the U.S. withdrawal of Afghanistan and, and he did say that the U.S. had been cooperating with Afghanistan to fight al-Qaeda, but you dispute that. Yes, we are, we are doing all this on the basis of the agreement and independently. We do not need, we have uh, the, the, the force and uh, uh, the ability and uh, power to do it uh, independently for our people, for our country. It is in the interest of our country not to allow anyone to use the soil of Afghanistan and other countries. And it is independently. Uh, and that they say we, we are cooperating with any side that is not true. Okay, well, you say that you can do this independently, but certainly we have seen international sanctions placed on Afghanistan. We've seen international uh, aid uh, drastically slashed as well. So one would suggest you certainly need some international uh, assistance. Would you agree? In terms of economic cooperation, we need economic cooperation from all countries to have normal and positive relation with all countries, like a country has with, with another country. It is, I think, a good thing for, for both. And uh, secondly, in terms of uh, our commitment not to allow anyone to use the soil of Afghanistan, we can do it independently. We do not need cooperation from any other country. So it is uh, separate from that. But of course, in economic fields, investment, uh, educational fields, in other fields, uh, we need cooperation of other countries because we are rebuilding Afghanistan from the scratch.
So the, these are two two things. And one we need it, the other uh, we do not need, uh, which is the military field we do not need. But you have cooperated with the US, your sworn enemy. So my question is, how do you justify yourself in front of your fighters who fought America? Uh, our policy is clear. There, there were two phases. One phase was the phase of liberation of our country. You were fighting against US and other its allies in other countries, almost 54 countries. You are fighting against them and until we liberated our country. Now we have independent country. It, there is a new phase has begun, and that is the reconstruction of Afghanistan. In this phase, we welcome cooperation, investment, investment from all countries of the world, including the USA. So the first phase, which is a history and a part of the past, so it is a past, the current phase, which is reconstruction of Afghanistan, we welcome uh, uh, cooperation in economic fields and their investment in the country. So if I understand correctly, you were always about power, not about religion. You were against America when it suited you and with America when it didn't. When they occupied our country, we fought against them to liberate uh, our country. If anyone's country was occupied, if your country is occupied, would you not fight for liberation of your country? We did the same. Now we are building our country. We are to eradicate poverty, to provide uh, job opportunities for our people. For that, uh, we need cooperation of all countries. And if they are willing, we, we welcome them. Well, one of your other commitments has been the Taliban's war on drugs. What has been achieved? We've seen some big changes when it comes to poppy farming. Is that going to continue? Or again, is this simply a means to get Western aid? Yes, it is. Uh, in the past 20 years, they uh, spent, according to them, uh, billions of dollars in order to eradicate poppy cultivation. But they were failed. And uh, they, they were um, trying uh, to prevent drug uh, trafficking, but they failed. And uh, now um, we have a total ban on pop cultivation according to the decree by our Supreme Leader. And we have succeeded. And uh, you may have seen the reports, they say this, uh, uh, 80% reduction, but we say more than that um, in our, our public cultivation all over the country. But that we have done with our own means. I think it is obligation of the international community to come to, uh, forward and help the farmers and provide them substitute projects in order to make this ban sustainable and uh, the people not uh, be affected uh, from uh, this uh, ban. In Afghanistan, the farmers has uh, two or three acres of land, which is not enough for, to feed uh, their families. So there, there should be assistance from the international community to those far, farmers who are abide, abiding by the ban and they have stopped uh, cultivating poppies uh, in their fields. 
So yes, we have we have succeeded in that, yes. Well, yes, a lot of these farmers have now been left without income. The West is concerned it could result in another wave of refugees. Apart from you expecting the international community to step in, what are you doing to replace these farmers' income? Yes, we are, we are doing what we can according to our revenue and we have um, in our budget and development projects uh, so we are implementing them uh, but uh, they are not enough when the international community were uh, was spending billions of dollars in the past 20 years for uh, to stop public cultivation and prevention of drug trafficking. Why not? They should spend right now while we have practically proved that we have banned public cultivation. If they are not, uh, their programs are not politically motivated. I think they should come forward. They, they, it is a sheer goal. It's good for them, good for us. While we are doing something uh, practically and we have proved it, why they are not uh, helping that uh, to continue that program further and eliminate uh, public cultivation completely. Well, we're almost out of time, but I wanted to ask you one final question. Regarding Prince Harry, he recently made headlines in his book Spare at the start of the year when he claimed that he had killed 25 Taliban fighters. Now, he said it felt like he was removing chess pieces off the board. Do you think the prince should be proud or ashamed of what he has done? It should, it should be, it should be shamed. It should be all shamed who are um, saying, claiming that we we are have a democracy. We have, we are uh, the advocates and champions of human rights. But practically, they are doing this. They ha he have killed innocent people, innocent villagers, and should be ashamed and should be brought to justice if uh, they are uh, their uh, laws are human laws and for the protection of human rights. They, he should be, uh, you know, tried on that based on his own uh, admission that he has acknowledged. It is, you know, a crime. Not only he, in other countries, in other soldiers uh, have done the same. There's a lot of cases, a lot of families uh, bereft from uh, their um, Winner, and there are thousands of videos. Uh, innocent people, villagers, farmers, they have been killed in the, their fields. If that have been in your country, what you have said, you have uh, haven't asked for a justice. Uh, as a human being, it's your obligation and others to raise this uh, this question. Well, Mr. Shaheen, thank you for joining us today on Frankly Speaking. We appreciate your time today. Thank you. Thank you so much.